What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSGN MHS Network. And I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Uh, this is going to be, I don't know, I, I can't call this controversial, but this is going to be in, uh, I hopefully, an educational and um, a, a, a way, different way to look at the NBA. Um in a previous podcast from about two, three weeks ago, I was talking to you about why the NBA has basically screwed itself on defense and <clears throat> why we can't, as a uh, uh, you know, as a basketball viewing public, why it's hard for us to to look at things a certain way, and and it's because the NBA basically did a and created defensive three seconds, which opened up the lane. And uh, combining that with the three exaggerated three-point shooting that goes on, it's created this vast chasms of spacing in the NBA. And I want to explore this further. And by the way, um, I did a podcast on this about three years ago. Oh, man, maybe even longer, uh, four years ago, on uh, how basically Shaquille O'Neal, and I've talked about this all changed the way the NBA, fundamentally changed the way the NBA uh, refed because they couldn't, they couldn't properly referee him and blah, blah, blah. Um, I talked about that then, but I kind of want to go over now a different aspect. And that is something that is anathema to the NBA. This is something that they spent uh, 24 years, 25 years, trying to get rid of. Um, maybe in 26. Yeah, yeah 26 years. Um, this is, uh, as you can see by the title, hand check. Now... For those of you who are younger than a certain age, so like if you're a teenager or you're in your 20s uh, and you have only been watching basketball, say, for the last, you know, 15, maybe at the longest, but maybe 10 years, you have not lived in, a, in an NBA that had anything to do with hand checking. And it is hard for me to kind of tell you exactly what the NBA looked like with a hand check rule uh, and not a hand check rule, but the lax enforcement of hand checking. Um, <clears throat> the NBA tried to get rid of hand checking in 1979. Um, it was perceived to be part of the reason why there was so much brawling in the NBA. And this is a common theme, by the way, common theme. Um, they once again in the 94, 95 season, after that Nuggets uh, big run, this was a lockout year, very brief lockout year, but a lockout year. And the NBA was, uh, during that, right after that lockout, came out with a hand check rule that was basically never enforced, largely because the this is the era of the superstar center. And they wanted to emphasize superstar centers. As someone in the league told me years and years and years ago, the league conforms to its best players. And other than Michael Jordan, most of the the star players in the NBA in that era were centers. <clears throat> so you you get a you get a scenario uh, that kind of creates this tension. 
post Jordan and really the line of delineation as far as hand checking goes goes to post post Jordan. Now for those who don't know, hand checking was basically you can you can you are entitled it, it the NBA is about entitlement to space. And um you can intrude on a on an offensive player's space with one hand. Let's say one hand. If you put two hands up, it would have been a foul. Um, so with one hand, generally on your hip, uh, you could have put it on there, but it couldn't be in there longer than a certain amount of time and all this stuff. There's a bunch of different uh, caveats to the whole hand checking thing. Um, and what that would do is basically allow the, well, I mean, Michael Jordan was the king of hand checking. Um, that would allow him you to guide your defender where you want them to go. Um, you could always keep in contact with your defender excuse me, your, your uh, offensive player. Um, so Michael Jordan would do that like a lot. He would, uh, he in fact actually famously did that with, uh, um, uh, in the Utah series a couple times, um, uh, in the uh, last Utah series, uh, of his, of his, of his Bulls career in 98. Um, there, there is just uh, it, 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 it is, it is just about crowding, and it's about space. That is really what it's about. Um, it's not, it's less about the contact than it is about the crowding. And the NBA has always had a internal battle with hand checking. Um, it has been largely perceived as the reason um, scoring in defenses get bogged down or not defense but offenses get bogged down and uh, the NBA certainly felt like that back when Larry O'Brien was still the commissioner um definitely saw that as an impediment to to what they were trying to accomplish specifically on offense particularly once the ABA ABA teams can't caught in and the ABA teams were were adjusting to the lack of a three-point line and the NBA teams were adjusting to these super athletic ABA teams that came into the league, which is why uh, the, the Nuggets spent the next three years being one of the best teams in basketball, coming fresh out of the ABA. These the 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 hand checking had a lot to do with a perception, and and I'm and I'm going to emphasize perception that it was the reason that defense uh, offenses were. Um, largely bogged down in the eighties, you still had hand check enforcement, but what happened was the pace quickened and the three point line came in, in 1980, 81, 80, 81 season. And, uh, that did open up scoring more. And then you had the Showtime Lakers and the, uh, Doug Moe Nuggets and, uh, these high flying teams that largely scored by pushing the pace. If you look at, the scoring of these teams. If you look at these, the Lakers teams, and you look at those Nuggets teams, they did all their all their scoring with twos. I think Alex English, in his entire sixteen year NBA career, only shot thirty uh, something threes. So think about that. Now their teams shoot thirty threes in a game right now. Um, so there was a concession to the greater spacing with the three-point line coming in. The greatest offensive I th- I th- offense explosion I've seen uh, in my own lifetimes, probably in the mid-80s to the, to the late-80s, 
by about 89, the, uh, the Detroit Pistons began a physical form of defense, which, by the way, the, the Pistons weren't exactly like the 90s Knicks. They, that team still scored a ton. Um, it wasn't uh, the slow it down thing that we saw in the 90s. A lot of that had to do with the, 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 the lack of volume of threes, I should say. A lot of that had to do with that was re- relegated to the role of specialists. Uh, there was the Mark Prices. There was uh, Michael Adams. There was uh, well, I mean, Larry Bird. wasn't a specialist, but he could shoot threes. Um, it, was, it was the bastion of, of people who were just basically snipers. And you didn't have a team-wide three-point three shooting. The NBA really had a was okay with the direction, but once the Pistons came in, and then the Knicks, and then the Riley's Heat, and uh, the uh, Larry Brown's uh, Indiana Pacers came in, that bogged the league down. And by the time Jordan retired, the league was just a, you know, you were getting 75 to 79 scores. You would get, you know, games and with scores in the 80s and stuff like that. And the NBA never, and I'll be 100% honest with people, the NBA never liked that. They, they, then they tolerated it because it was the way all the teams were going. But it was, it was seen as uh, cause it, the the causality of it was the NBA thought it was basically causing all these fights, in particular Ron Harper and I forget the guy in uh, uh, in uh, no Ron Harper Derek Harper Derek Harper no Ron Harper uh, in um, uh, the Knicks and uh, the Bulls in '94 during the playoffs that was a that was stemmed from aggressive hand checking so. Well, the NBA was getting sick of it and it really took Jordan retiring in the aftermath and this really rough period after the lockout in 1998 that and 99 that really kind of spurred the league to try to change the 99 50 game season was uh just a morass um it was it was hard to watch i i have told Many people I have known who know me as a basketball fan, and 90, the 1999 season was one of the hardest seasons of basketball to watch. It was just dreadful basketball. A lot of that had to do with the rate of games they were playing. A lot of that had to do with the style, and there was no Jordan. And uh, it just, you didn't have that great individual scoring other than Allen Iverson, who was starting to come into his own by this point. So by the time 2001 rolls around and Shaquille O'Neal for the previous two seasons had just been actually running roughshod over the NBA in Phil Jackson's triangle in Los Angeles, the NBA goes in and says, okay, we're not going to do anything about hand check, but what we are going to do is because the NBA's rationale, and they said it at the time, was that there's already a hand check rule. Uh, which was really put in in 1994-95, is what I was stating previously, is that that was really the first hand-check-you-can't-do-it thing, which they never enforced because they, the league liked the way the league was going. Uh, it was the peak of the Jordan era, uh, the coming right after that, and uh, that is also the same year that they brought in the three-point line, which served to reduce the amount of spacing in the court. 
<laughs> but anyway, um, uh, by the time you get to 2001, they decide to change the legal defense rules and do uh, the uh, what was known as defensive three seconds and offensive three seconds. Uh, it fundamentally changed the way centers could operate. Basically, the league was saying, centers, get out of the lane. But it really took the malice at the palace for the league to take a hard line look. And it really, and, and I can't say, I, I, I hesitate to say, go too much further than to say the league understood that it was a moment for it to fundamentally change the way things were going. And once again, the bugaboo was hand-checking. So coming out of this brawl from 2004-2005, the offseason, there's another lockout, and the NBA emerges from it with a dress code and a uh, strict enforcement, strict enforcement of hand-checking. Um, it was determined that guards will lead the way to a better and more fruitful offensive explosion. And it took about three years for diversity in offense to kind of swing to more perimeter stuff and drives. This was more of a, uh, it wasn't a sudden evolution. If anyone who saw the 2006 uh, uh, series, which was the first uh, uh, finals, which was the first one after all these rules came in, it was roughly similar to what you'd seen before. Uh, 07 is you saw the offensive explosion with the Mavericks. And 08, you saw another offensive explosion. In 09, you, the offense is starting getting getting better. By the time you get to the early 2000s, uh, and uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, uh, Daryl Morey started uh, basically about 2012, started doing experimental stuff. And their G League team, I think it was Rio Grande, and it basically in, in, in consisted of what you see today. Threes, layups, free throws. And you see an exaggeration of that going on in both Houston and uh, now Philadelphia. It was taking advantage of the spacing and taking advantage of the rules. The, the uh, Maury, I can't blame him, knew, knew that the spacing was going to be hard to overcome for centers. And it really took, it, it wasn't the Miami Heat in 2012. It wasn't uh, the, the David Lee, um, uh, Draymond Green thing in 2015. It wasn't those. It was Daryl Morey in the early 2010s basically saying, you have all this space and three points is worth more than two points. That is it. That is where it began. People credit the historic. You cannot replicate the Golden State Warriors. It was the greatest shooters of all time. They would have got there eventually, whether it be David Lee on the court or Draymond Green. And you have historically great shooters. That's what happens. And the rules were conducive to this. And that is what led us has led us to the 2020s. And um, basically, defense is having no no chance. No chance. Uh, the defenses have no shot because you cannot, you aren't entitled to any space around, and particularly with the landing zone uh, penalty, you have no space to guard on the perimeter. Um, spacing is still exaggerated as hell, 
and it is hard to get any sort of 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 ability to hold teams down you if you don't you i mean it no one has unless you have a a team of it's very specifically athletic defenders who can cover i mean and i'm talking about multiple two three four positions um which no nba team has by the way um you're not going to be able to play defense and that's just the way it is and on the other side of the break i will talk give an argument not saying i support it i'm going to give an argument for why the NBA should bring back Handcheck and why it would benefit the league. But first, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. There's a branch in Fort Collins now. Uh, there's also the one in uh, California. And there is the one that I have gone to, the one in the dairy block. Um... Whites, reds, uh, Colorado wines, um, anything you need to give you give yourself a great, great wine experience. I will sometimes go down uh, in the afternoon, um, have, you know, responsibly have a one glass of wine while I do some work. Um, it is just one of my favorite places to go in Denver. If you go to bfwcolorado.com, you can order yourself a bottle. They got all their varietals there available for you to look at. And, uh, my suggestion would be the 2018 Cabernet and, uh, the, their Pinot is actually really good. I've been enjoying that one lately. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the area block here. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. You know, doing something as radical as bringing back, as, as relaxing hand-checking, is not something that I anticipate will ever happen in the NBA. Uh, in fact, I will tell you that uh, I think the NBA is dead set against it. Uh, and it's dead set against it because of of its perception that it causes fights. Its perception that it causes brawls. It has nothing to do with the offense and the way that uh, things uh, kind of unfo- have unfolded since 2000, well, basically 1994, when they first tried, well, not 79, but when they first tried it uh, in 94, um, there wasn't an appetite for it. But when they finally got the excuse in 2000, the offseason of 2005, there is, there was the, we're never going back there kind of thing, okay? Now, this is just a hypothetical. One of the big reasons offenses are so explosive is because on the perimeter, you're getting free, three free throws. If, uh, if a guy goes into a shooting motion, the NBA has tried to tinker on the edges with this. With uh, with the rip through foul adjustment, with the if you do that, you only get two free throws. Um, there they have tried, they have tried, and it hasn't worked. It is impossible to guard on the perimeter. Largely, it's impossible to guard on the perimeter because you have to cover a lot of space. 
But one of the ways you can mitigate that is if you allow the defender some entitlement to space. Um, the NBA has gone so far in the other direction that it has is really made offensives like it's it's cartoony. It's cartoony how bad these how inflated these offensive numbers have been, and they're getting worse and worse and worse. Defenses have no shot, and yeah, it makes for um, somewhat entertaining basketball. But I gotta tell you, it is also uh, very monotonous. And I, as a Nuggets fan, I love love the fact that they can score as easily as they can. But I do worry that the NBA has gone so far in one direction that it's going to be increasingly hard to go back. Um, the, the offensive balance the league had in about 2008 to about 2012, it was actually, I thought, pretty, pretty cool. Um, it wasn't over-reliant on threes. You had a, you had a nice mix of mids, layups, threes, and free throws. And it, the NBA of now, it bears no resemblance to the NBA of 10 years ago. It just doesn't. Um, and the one way the NBA can do this is to lax up the enforcement of hand check. Um, and that would be, in the NBA's mind, leave you open to uh, aggressive play and people getting angsty and not, you know, and all this stuff that they're ver- they're constantly worried about after the malice at the palace. I think, you know, I'm not saying that this is something that will ever happen because I don't, I don't think it will. The NBA is done with hand checking. It's not coming back. Um, but it's a way you can give the defender and a chance on the perimeter is to give them entitlement for space. Another factor is flopping on the interior with centers, which I think is, is, is ridiculous. They shouldn't, they, once again, that's entitlement to space. That is, that is, you're saying basically it's the old Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal holdover where this guy's so big and we can't officiate him. That's really what it is. Um, but on the perimeter, you need to be able to have the defender have the entitlement to some space. And it is so, it's got so bad that because of the quote freedom of movement um, era that we're in right now, that uh, um, uh, defenders on the perimeter are traffic cones. And you, and, they, and you know that any benefit of the doubt is going to go to the offensive player because there's no hand check. And the landing rule. And all of this stuff is stacked against defenders. These are rules, folks. This isn't because of, of skilled offenses. This is entirely due to the fact that rules have handcuffed defenses to the extent where they can't defend. Particularly once teams dis- realized that three points was more than two. Once that era began, the exaggerated spacing just became, it just, like I, I always describe it as a funhouse mirror, but that's what it is. You watch, a, you watch a game from 2023, and then you go back and watch even 2012, it is night and day, the spacing. It is just, in, in a league, as I always say, in a league that where you, the goal, the entire goal of the game is to manufacture spacing, it is what's, what the NBA is, um, 
enough space to get off a shot. Um, the rules have made it clear that, well, we're just going to give it to you. You know, people talk about poor spacing with games because of people who can't shoot on the perimeter. And, and quite frankly, should it be that? Some of the games that are bad are just due to teams shooting poorly, which is, come on. The NBA has backed itself into a corner, and they know it. They know it. I will go to my grave saying this. The NBA, the, the law of unintended consequences has been visited upon the NBA by handcuffing itself to freedom of movement. Yes, offenses are great, but you have the Oklahoma City Thunder scoring 150 points on the Boston Celtics. That that shouldn't happen, you know. And what did uh, the what was that thing about said about Peyton Manning ten years ago? Was it Star Wars numbers or something like that? Well, this is Star Wars numbers. Um, and defense is let me let me tell you folks, it's not about skill. Just defenders are helpless. They can't do it. You can have all the athleticism that you want if you if you are if you have to cover so much ground. That's why the whole quote small ball thing has come in, is is that they you just need to cover so much ground that uh, it is hard for a bigger guy to be out there. Okay, you've handcuffed the league to the point where there's you can't have centers. Well, what's the flip side of this? Well, the flip side of this is completely bonkers offensive numbers that you can't take seriously. People scoring 60, 70, 50 points regularly every night. Is it entertaining? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm out of time. And, and quite frankly, you'd be justified in saying that I was. I'm, I'm, I, am, I am a guy who uh, grew up watching 90s basketball. So obviously, you know, that's where my brain is. But the, the exaggerated cartoonish numbers are ridiculous. And I, and I think the only way the NBA could do it is either A, like I suggested in the last podcast, go constrict the lane and go back to defensive three seconds or allow hand checking. That's it. Really, the NBA has got no choice if they were serious about defense. If they're not, we're going to see what we're going to see. And the NBA is going to accept that we're kind of at this defense is impossible uh, era. You know, Bill Simmons always talks about how teams discovered the three. Yeah, they did. They discovered the three after they realized that teams uh, won't be able to respond to spacing. And that's what happened to the Los Angeles Lakers in 2011. That's what the Dallas Mavericks did to them. They outspaced them. And it's just gotten wider and wider and wider since... And now it's just, like I said, it's impossible to guard. And a lot of these teams that are poor teams are just bad shooting teams. I mean, if that's what we want, that's what we want. Um, I, like I said, hand checks never coming back. But the NBA has got to do something. And uh, I just don't know if they've got it in them to, to go down that road. In order to make it more fair, they have to do something radical. And... I have not seen the league have the stomach for that sort of thing. Not in the last, you know, since 2005. They really haven't. We shall see. All right. Thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast. I'll be back, well, uh, probably a couple days with another episode. Goodbye.